Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz right here on TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Player FM, and now on ListenNotes.com, as well as Block Talk Radio. Your host, Oscar Lopez here, episode 258 of the Gridiron Blitz. And we are going to be talking NFL Super Bowl 53 in depth as we come up to the big game this weekend, New England Patriots taking on the Los Angeles Rams. We're also going to dive into the Alliance of American Football that will launch right after the Super Bowl on February 3rd. Um, and we are going to be talking Antoinette Harris, part of the big Toyota a RAV4 ad that's going to break on Super Bowl Sunday as well. And we'll have women's news and notes coming up. The Alpha Women recap um, by double coverage. As it gets posted, we will post it up on our at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. We will also be talking FEFA Spain as uh, the 9-on-9 and 7-on-7 season is underway. Plus the semifinal clashes for the Gridiron West Championship. It will happen this weekend. So we'll dive into that as well. Let's bring in the panel here. Should have the WFA uh, Hall of Famer and WNFC uh, Hall of Famer Holly Custis in the house, as well as college football girl Troy Wilson. Uh, guys, how's it going today? Good. How are you? I'm great. I'm waiting for my win on Sunday. Are you excited? Totally excited. You know, Holly, I'm excited. Come on. <laughs> well, I think it'll be um, a really awesome game. I'm, all like, I'm, a, I'm a over like peanut butter on bread right now. I'm just that happy. So, Oscar, <laughs> this is your first. This is your team's first Super Bowl since 2001. Is this correct? 2002, technically. 2002, yeah. Since, uh, but it's the first since '79 when we lost it in '79 as Los Angeles Rams. Right. Oh man, this is this is exciting, man. I, look, I, I don't even remember what this was like, man. Last time my team was in '91, so I'm jealous of all the guy, uh, all the teams, the fans of teams that get a chance to root their team and watch it in the Super Bowl. I know you got a little bit of butterflies, man, but you know what? Try to enjoy this, man, because it doesn't come around a whole lot. So enjoy the week, brother. I, look, I'm rooting for you guys, um, but I just don't think you'll win. But <laughs> I'm rooting for you guys for this weekend. Don't worry, Troy. I'm on. I'm on. My thoughts not on that side. It's on the other side. I got you, man. I'm staying positive, Troy. I'm. I'm. I'm confident in our defense. Our kicker's excellent, and McVeigh all the way is the hashtag that I'm going with. Yeah, you know what? I I don't think Legatron Zerline is getting enough. I don't think he's getting enough pub, man. I, I want to see. I want to see more talks about him. I, honestly, I think it's going to come down. It may come down to the kickers. I mean, most of most of the Patriots Super Bowls have been pretty close, and it's been dependent. You know, a lot of times it's been dependent on, on kickers. You know, at least the first three, um, and then you know the rest of them were last second plays in the game or comebacks. So I mean, you know, it's going to be a tight game. I think both teams can score a whole lot, man. This is going to be a fun matchup. I, I really can't wait to see this one. So it, it, it is kind of hard to figure out who's going to show up and 
and and how they're going to equip themselves out there. Both teams had a little bit of deficiencies on defense, and both teams kind of rallied to you know around the playoffs in the in the end of the season. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Holly, uh, what is the key to the game? You think run game on both sides? Are we going to do passing here? What do you think they're going to go with uh, in terms of you know their scheme? So I think uh, I'll I'll start with the, the Patriots. So if if you're a Patriots fan, I think the key uh, starts with running the ball. If you can get that side of the ball going and Sony Michelle going, then that really helps. Uh, Tom Brady in, in the passing game. I, I think, especially against a team like the Rams that has such a good defensive line, you don't want them to be able to just pin their ear back and uh, come after you. So having a really solid run game, especially at the middle, will be very important for the Patriots. And they also, speaking of that, need to protect Brady at the middle because I think pretty much everybody knows that his weak point is when you get pressure in his face. Um, so if they're able to protect that, then that will help a lot. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I think if you're the Patriots, you have to try to make the Rams become one-dimensional and make golf beat you. Golf has improved so much uh, since the exit of Fisher, but uh, he still is a bit young. And so I think if you're the Patriots, you want him to try to beat you rather than uh, the ground game. Uh, and it's the same kind of thing on the flip side for the Rams. I think you run the ball with your one-two punch with Gurley and CJ um, and, uh, you know, make the pressure less on Goff with that. I think that will help a lot. And then you also need to try to get pressure on Brady. Um, and the biggest key for the Rams, and it's pretty much any key for anybody that ever plays the Patriots ever in the playoffs, if you get a lead, go for the kill shot. Do not let up <laughs> because you know at some point, especially the second half, they're going to figure something out and they're going to come after you. So you have to, if you get a lead early, you got to push on that gas pedal and, and never give up on it because you know they'll figure something out in the second half. So I think it will be a good game, uh, but you're right. I think really the, the underlying theme is whoever can run the ball the most consistent that they're going to have an advantage. Well, I hope we don't pull in Atlanta. You know, just oh dear get God, up I think you would. I think you, you would. Die. I mean? <laughs> that would not be good. That would be a heart attack. Uh, Troy, mm-hmm. are you on the same sentiment, or do you think it's more going to be a field goal game? I really think uh, I I agree about the running game. I, I think that's uh, one again that's not really talked about as much on the Patriots side, but with Sony Michelle. Um, and James White and um, and, and um, Burkhead. I mean, these guys, they just flat out get it done. They get it done, and they don't get the pub. They're never, you know, it's rarely a time where a running back gets a whole lot of pub. Uh, but I think Sonny Michelle is going to be uh, one of the ones who does because, I mean, he's just dynamic as a runner, which is why he's, you know, he, he became a starter really early in for the season. And watching him run for over a thousand yards, I think you know, I think he's really going to be a key to the game. Uh, but you know what really concerns me on the Rams side is the defense. Is you know is is is, is Dominican Sue who was you know pretty quiet during the year. Um, you know he wasn't making a whole lot of plays, but in the playoffs, man, he's been he's been on a tear. And so is he going to continue? 
doing that. I think we're going to continue to see Aaron Donald just be dominant. That's just who he is. I mean, the guy is just he's, – he's just – to me, I've really never seen – a defensive tackle at his size play the way that he plays. He's really my favorite player to watch in the NFL. So I think he's going to get, you know, he's going to, he's going to cause some havoc in there. And I think that's the big concern for the Patriots is like, you don't want Indomitian Sue creating all the problems and you already got to deal, you know, with the best in the game on the other side of that guy. So that's really the key, man. If the Patriots up front, if they can find a way to, you know, put leverage on these guys and block these guys. And, and look, they, you know, the Patriots, there hasn't been a superstar in the NFL that they haven't figured out. And so, you know, we'll see if they're, they're going to be able to get it done. But I really think that's the kid's defensive line up front, which is the Rams' strong suit on defense. I think they're really just big and quick and fast and just mean up front. Really, that's going to be the key to the game. If the Patriots can run the football, um, and they can control those guys. It's gonna it's gonna be hell for for the Rams out there. Well, uh, Holly, what do you say the storyline if it goes the other way? If it doesn't go that way, like if it's uh, if the Patriots win, it's gonna be Brady all Brady or what? I I I think it kind of has to be um, Brady and Belichick. I mean, I remember earlier in the year and the Patriots really struggled against the Bills, and I remember you guys asking me if you're a Patriots fan, if you should be worried. And I remember saying, no, because they do this every year. I, I think I think considering the fact that everybody knew that the Patriots would be relevant at the end, but nobody was really, you know, they weren't the favorites. They weren't the odd-on favorites to get to the Super Bowl. And they don't really have a lot of – if you look up and down the roster, they're not deep in talent, but they, they always get it done. And so I think if the Patriots are able to beat the Rams, especially how good that defensive front is for L.A., you have to give them credit. Even though it annoys everybody that's not a Patriots fan, it's it's one of those things that you, you're, you're annoyed because you're watching Michael Jordan, you're watching Kobe, you're watching LeBron, and you just you get sick of seeing the same people over and over again. At some point, you have to give them respect. I agree. Uh, if the, if McVay wins, is this huge? Huge? I mean, like a, a big moment? Huge? Yes. I mean, McVay is is one of those you know new um, younger coaches, and I think one of the interesting uh, themes that you're seeing around the NFL is you know a lot of the NFL is built on copycatting. So since McVeigh is doing well and other young coaches are doing well, all of a sudden the hot thing is to find a, a younger coach. And I think McVeigh is kind of the poster child for that. And I've always been very impressed with him because, number one, he he constructs a program that, that is successful, but he also relates well to his players, which is imperative, especially when you're talk, talking about some of these players that earn so much more than he does. And he also grows. He's always learning. And from what I understand, uh, he actually talks to Belichick a lot. And uh, so he's one of those coaches that understands that, no, he doesn't know everything. But, yes, he can always learn. And so I think if McVay wins this, it's going to be scary for the rest of the league because I don't see him going away anytime soon. Troy, you've said, like Holly said him in here, pretty – pretty cerebral type of coach, but if he can beat 
the two-headed monster here that is Brady and Belichick, huge, huge moment for him. Well, first off, I mean, I, I've seen McVay work up and close, up close and personal. He's been he was here with the Ravens organization for uh, three years, and watching the, the offense that they put together here, and all you heard were you know from from people who know football, from the inside football people, not just uh, radio personalities, is that is that this guy was special. And I remember when he got hired, I had said to you you guys got a good one because the guy knows football. He has an absolutely insane memory. I remember I saw the, 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 um, on TV, they, they recalled a play, the number of play in, in a specific game that was like a year ago. And he recalled exactly what the play was and what happened on a play. That's insane memory. That, I mean, just I, I can't even – half the time I don't remember what I had for breakfast. This guy remembers a play that he had in a game previously that he, you know, and he knew exactly what the result of the play was. That's insane memory. So the guy is an absolute genius in my opinion, and that was the word I was throwing around a lot here when he was with the Redskins. And watching him come to this point, I'm not necessarily surprised. I'm not. I mean, I expected this guy to be excellent when he was there. Um, once he got there, and not to mention he's got the tools to play with. And a lot of people were not sold on Jared Goff in the beginning uh, of, of his career. He looked shaky. His mechanics were bad. He made a lot of bad reads. And in one year, you know, one offseason with Sean McVay, I mean, he, he became, you know, one of the top quarterbacks. And then he actually ascended even further to the next level this year of bringing his team to the Super Bowl. So when you see stuff like that, and you see the talent around them also. Robert Woods having his best year. Um, you know, so when you see the talent that these guys have out there and, and how they've put it together, I really put a lot on on Sean McVay because he's really put that together. And you can tell that because, you know, when Fisher was there, they didn't have that kind of productivity. And now they're they're very productive. They're the most one of the most potent, potent offenses in the NFL. So I give that solo to McVay. So I think really when it comes to coaching, you got Bill Belichick, who is a legend, but you cannot short McVay just because he's young and he is the youngest NFL coach in history to make it to a Super Bowl. You can't short him because he's young, because he is super talented and mentally he's, he's above and beyond, I would say, all the coaches in the NFL. I think he has something special uh, because even with Fisher – in court, he's basically inherited some of Fisher's picks, so that's a, a bonus for him. But bringing in veteran coaches, I think, was the biggest bonus of all, kind of knowing what you can bring in. Uh, Holly, Wade Phillips, uh, he sort of does well against uh, the Patriots, so that's got to be a good sign for the Rams. Definitely. Um, I mean, another credit to McVay is I think the <clears throat> the mark of a, a great coach is understanding where your strengths and weaknesses are and bringing Wade Phillips in was a huge part, I think, of their transition away from Fisher because then he could just, uh, McVay could just focus on the offense, not have to worry about it. Wade Phillips has, has been around the game long enough that he understands the ins and outs of a defense and, you know, this whole transformation from the Rams <clears throat> is a case study of why coaching matters. 
you have a lot of the same players, but the really great coaches understand who they have, what their strengths and weaknesses are, and they put them in position to win. And that's what this coaching staff has done. And I think Wade Phillips understands uh, defense in and out. And I, I think I don't think he gets enough credit. McVay is obviously the, the flasher, uh, you know, coach. But I think Wade Phillips is, is a huge part of the reason why they were successful. And um, I'm interested to see what he does with this Patriots offense, but I'm pretty sure he has some uh, tricks up his sleeve for it. Uh, Troy, uh, is are the Patriots going to use the Edelman attack down the middle, like uh, just like they did against Kansas City, because it literally worked. Edelman is always going to be a big part of their offense. I mean, he's, you know, he, he is, you know, their their second option behind Gronk, and a lot of times. Teams want to take away Grunt. And so, you know, with Edelman being in the slot and being as quick as he is, he's always going to be a target for Brady. He's one of his favorite targets. You expect to see a whole lot from him. And not to mention, you know, from on, on the um, in the slot, you know, the Rams, they've struggled a little bit. You know, I mean, uh, Roby Coleman, he's, he's kind of been, you know, uh, hot and cold. We all know the play that he had on the, on the corner. Um, you know, in, in the Saints game. And, you know, I'm not sure why they don't put Blake Countess out there a little bit more. I think Blake Countess is a better cover corner um, than Roby Coleman is. But, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I, I'm not going to go against Wade Phillips on that one. But, you know, that's a place where I know that the Patriots are definitely going to try to attack. Not to mention the Patriots, excuse me, the Rams at linebacker, they're a little bit smaller. Um, they're They're fast guys. Are they going to be able to match up with a big six foot seven tight end with Gronkowski? I mean, these are some of the matchups that you're going to see play out. So the Patriots are going to lean heavy on those guys, and and they they really like to throw the ball up the up the middle, and and I think he's going to be a big part of it. And also, I wanted to add one more thing about Sean McVay that I think he, he made him a great coach is he he he's humbled enough to know when to delegate. He doesn't want it all to be, you know, him. And so for him to be able to delegate, listen, I want you to take care of this and, you you know, that's your job and you deal with that. I'm going to just go over here and deal with the offense. I really think that freed him up to to be able to, to you know, to tailor that offense but because he just gave the defense to, to Wade Phillips as far as discipline, as far as game planning, as far as situational football. He trusts him enough to let him handle that on his side of the ball, even when they struggle. So you really got to take your hat off him for that one because a lot of coaches will want to get a little bit more control and maybe have some say, especially when it comes to situational football in the fourth quarter, fourth down plays, things of that nature. Uh, Holly, you think the kicking game is going to be a big factor? I mean, Zerline's probably way better than uh, the Patriots kicker at this point in terms of distance, so that might be a factor as well. Definitely. I mean – um, like we were saying before, I, I think if you look historically at how the Patriots play in these type of games, uh, even if the Rams get a lead, you know eventually they're going to have some sort of run. And if it gets tight at the end, it will come down to kicking. Um, I think uh, that uh, the Rams definitely have an edge in that. Um but, you know, it's one of those things that you never know until you get a kicker in that situation. I, I think kickers have a bad rap because they have 
you know, as we say, if they have one job, and so if they miss, it, it's really painful. But it is it is tough to be in that situation and to calm yourself down, and and they keep calling timeouts to try to ice you at the end. And you know, I've seen plenty of good kickers that uh, shank it at the end in that situation, and I've seen other kickers that are not as great that are able to handle it. So, if it comes down to that. I guarantee it's going to be interesting, and and I, I hope that we don't have another uh, double doink type situation. But uh, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll maybe it'll hit three times. I agree. I think it's uh, hopefully we don't have a repeat of '36 where we get beaten by a field goal, which is not going to be very happy for me. But um, I think uh, Troy, the the coaching matchup is great. The veteran matchups are great. Both teams are veteran. You got Kaleeb on the other side former Patriot, uh, Cook's former Patriot. So there is some uh, a semblance of knowing what Brady can do, knowing what the Patriots run. There's a little bonus there in terms of for Coach McVay coming into this matchup, understanding that there's some players that obviously can relate to how the Patriots run their system. Yeah, this, man, it's, it's so many storylines to, to go along with this game. I mean, you also got two uh, Georgia running backs. These guys played at Georgia together. So, I mean, you know, with Sonny Michelle and uh, Todd Gurley. And, you know, it's just – it's really so many storylines you can go with with the Super Bowl. And I think really what it's going to come down to is who's going to make the mistake, who's going to make the biggest mistake. And here's another here's another point I wanted to get across is your young quarterback, Jared Goff, is the moment going to be too big for him? I mean, look, we look on paper and we see that he's had a great season. But, listen, he's never played in a Super Bowl before. And you have to take that intangible into it. Is he going to be – is the moment going to be too big for him? And I expect a little bit of jitters in the beginning. But, you know, you want to see if he can knock that rust off. And I, I, I think, you know, McVay has a lot of confidence in him and he's going to be massaging him this whole week and talking to him and say, hey, look, just come out, take it easy, you know, breathe a little bit. We're going to hand the ball to, to girl. We're going to do some – you know, quick game. We're going to, you know, get the ball out of your hands early just to get you in a rhythm. Is he going to be, is he going to get the jitters once he gets out on that stage? Because this is huge. This is the Super Bowl. This is stuff you ever dream of. And, and you only get one first one. So how is he going to equip himself? How is he going to show up when he gets on the field? I really just, it's a lot of storylines and a lot of things, of course, that, um, you know, on paper it looks one way, but, you know, the, the intangibles I think is going to be really key to this game. These kids are going to be nervous. They are. A lot of, excuse me, you know, all the Rams, you know, most of the Rams over there, this is their first Super Bowl. So it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. And, and you know, I, I really think the, the, the Patriots having the, um, the experience – I really think that may come into play if um especially if the Rams start slow, whether it be on offense or defense. I agree. I think uh the score's gonna be tight. What would you predict as a score at this point, um, Holly? Oof. I'm going to go with the Rams thirty one, the Patriots twenty eight. Thirty one twenty eight. I have uh 20, 28, uh, basically 28, 24, somewhere in there. That's my inclination. Troy, you got any a score? 
You know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Thirty-four, twenty-nine. Patriots. It's gonna be a close game. It's gonna come down to turnover. Somebody's gonna make a mistake, and I think that's what will cost them the game. But I'm gonna go Patriots on this one. Twenty, thirty-five, twenty-nine. All right. So Holly's on the. Uh on the Ram bandwagon, like me, uh, Mackenzie on the Ram bandwagon, and you got Luis and Troy on the uh, the Evil Empire, the Patriots. <laughs> hey man, I can't I can't go more hard on this one, man. I would love to see McVay win a Super Bowl. Honestly, I'm rooting for I'm rooting for Sean McVay to win this. You know, I just think you know he was he's just a genius. I enjoyed him when he was here. Everyone at, in the Redskins organization loved him. All the fans here loved him. And we sometimes wish, you know, it could have been the other way around where you just go ahead and fire John, uh, Jay Gruden <laughs> and keep McVay. But you know what? You got to move on at that point. But I'm still rooting for him. I, he came up here, so, that you know, that's my guy. I want to see him win. I just think it's just going to be a little bit too much for the Patriots. All right, guys. So Super Bowl 53, very exciting. Uh, this guy right here is stoked. The Rams in Atlanta against the Patriots. Big, huge storyline. You know, going up against veteran coach, uh, veteran quarterback, young coach, young quarterback. I mean, the storyline is awesome. Everybody, I think, wanted Kansas City, Los Angeles, uh, and they wanted another shootout like it happened in Los Angeles. But I don't know if that would have happened. Ollie, do you think that would have happened? Uh. You know, obviously, offensively, there's a lot of weapons, but I think, you know, when it comes time to a lot of these games, I think that 80 to 90% of the time you have two high-powered offenses that are used to scoring a lot of points. Usually in those games, everybody predicts high scores, and they end up not being that way. So I would say probably not, um, but it would have been definitely entertaining. Troy, um, this game is going to be kind of like back and forth as we predict, but it might not be that way. It might be just muscle on muscle, and we might get defensive a, a nice defensive stance on both sides. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But, I mean, McVay has made a very good um, effort to put together this, this huge you know roster that he's got. Uh, Sneed's done really good with the payout. The owner obviously doesn't care at this point because he's going to put out money for what he needs to put out. So a totally different mindset than Georgia, Georgia Frontieri when she was in St. Louis running the Rams even before the early 80s where, you know, you cut Eric Dickerson out. You know what I mean? So this is a, the owner is really – I think it's the pressure of the new stadium maybe that's what's causing all this, that, that you got to make it, you know, you go, you go broke or, or nothing, right? Well, here, here's another underlying story that, you know, I don't think is, is getting any run. Everyone always uses the cliche in the NFL. They said the NFL is a copycat league, right? And we saw in the past, you know, it was looked upon as pretty bad to try to buy your roster um, in the NFL. My team was the was the flag bearer for that, you know, do not do this move. And now the Rams have, so to speak, done the same thing. And then previous year, the Eagles, they also did that. They put the, you know, they went out and got some pieces and, mm-hmm. and, and paid a lot through free agency to build their team. And so you're going to start, you're going to start to see free agency become even more prominent uh, this upcoming season 
And, you know, I, I just think it's going to be – it's really setting a precedent. You also saw an unprecedented amount of trades during the, you know, the middle, you know, right before the trade deadline. There's more trades than ever. So I think there's also going to be um, a, a lot of changes when it comes to the free agency period. Players are going to be, you know, looking to get those free agent dollars, and teams are going to be looking to upgrade quickly because in the NFL – you can build your team up enough and do it pretty quickly to challenge for a championship, unlike the NBA and MLB. Well, I can tell you right now, um, it's going to be pretty interesting offseason too. Um, Holly, the diva that is Antonio Brown, as some people are calling him, d- does he land or where does he land? Is he just, is it the internal you think? Is it Tomlinson's culture that is now getting to all these player, high priced players that, they may, maybe don't want to – we're not talking enough about the coaching culture? Well, <clears throat> the interesting dynamic of the Steelers, um, I think, has birthed um, the situation with Antonio Brown. I think no matter where he was going to play or is going to play, a lot of those high-powered receivers, that's kind of their personality. You kind of have to have that personality to be good at – that position, and I think that um, I think that uh, it does speak volumes to the situation that they're currently in with the Steelers. I think it's a much bigger problem than Antonio Brown, because if you look at uh, the situation with Bell, you look at the situation in that a lot of these um, higher teams in the NFL, your window is only so big. And I feel like the Steelers window that is starting, it's starting to close. And what happens is that problems at the beginning were covered up because they were winning. Now they're not winning as much, or at least not as much as they think they should be winning. And those little teeny cracks are becoming huge scissors. And that becomes a problem. And so I think, yes, Antonio Brown will, will move on hopefully, um, but I think they're still going to have problems. And so even if they do trade them, I really think it's a, it's a, it's a cultural problem that unless the, the organi- organization figures out a way to rally around each other and fix it, it, it it's going to speak not great for the future with Thomason at that location and some of the other front office people. I, I think it's a bigger problem than Antonio Brown. I agree you know, with you. you. I you think can't. if you – yeah, go ahead, Troy. Sorry. So go ahead, Oscar. Okay. I'll, I'll let you finish. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, so listen, you, you can't keep – the Steelers can't keep Antonio Brown. They can't. There's no way you can go forward that guy. True. You know, listen, he is a great player, absolutely fantastic player, okay? But you can't do that at like with the Steelers. That's not how the Steelers are built. I mean, the Steelers are a model franchise. This is a franchise that only had three coaches in its entire history. So you know what the culture is in Pittsburgh, and you can't have that guy there. If you leave Antonio Brown there, you take away what the Steelers mean. And you can – honestly, there's only a few franchises you can say that with. You can say that about New England. You can say that possibly um, about the New York Giants, the way they handle things. And you can say that about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. So you can't have Antonio Brown there making those kind of waves. And I don't think it had anything to do with Tomlin. Honestly, I think it was more Antonio Brown. I mean, look, the guy has a pass to doing this. And think about it like this, right? You get paid to play football. 
And Antonio Brown wasn't hurt. Antonio Brown wasn't on the field that last game. You know, I'm sorry. You can't do that. They depend on you to play football. And you know how to, how the Steelers organization is. And, you know, at some point you have to you have to get rid of them because that, that right there is a team. And you got you, – you can't have the – you know, this is the same guy that after a playoff game, he's going on Facebook Live while your coach – is giving a uh, you know um, he's giving a locker room speech talking about how they're going to have to approach this game going to the Patriots, and then you know they got him, then they have his own coach on there saying you know how he thinks that the Patriots are cheaters. You know what kind of you know what you just did to your coach? You just emasculated your coach on national TV, on on worse. I'm sorry, on social media, where you have millions of people that watch that. So, no, you, you, listen, the guy has to go. And, look, buyer beware. I hope he doesn't, you know, the San Francisco 49ers actually go out and make a trade for this guy. Buyer beware. Because he is tight. He brings problems. Yes, he's going to bring production. Yes, he's going to give you catches, touchdowns, you know, crazy dances. The fans are going to be crazy. They're going to be buying jerseys and all of that stuff. But as far as your locker room, the dude is a cancer. And I hope he figures it out because he's a supreme talent. But that guy right there is an absolute problem. Pittsburgh has to trade him. I believe he said Jesus told him to go this route. I don't know, man. I, you know, I hope I hope he fig- I hope he can tell us all what he was drinking when Jesus told him that because we don't want none of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe it's Kool Aid. I don't know. Maybe it's Kool Aid. Um, Holly, it just it just seems like this thing just blew up. Bell disgruntled. Then all of a sudden you got Brown disgruntled. Then in the background you got. Uh, ben Roethlisberger thinking that he's probably going to, uh, you know, retire or whatever. Um, do you think you agree with Troy that this they're just going to cut themselves, the, the Steelers can cut themselves off and then just move on? Yes, I, I totally do agree with Troy. If you're uh, from the Steelers' standpoint, but I, I don't think it's going to solve their problems. I think they they like I was saying before. I think Antonio Brown is just part of it. The fact that you had Bell. And that whole situation, that's another part of it. Then you have Ross, I can never say his name, Big Ben. That has a whole different dynamic. And I think that, I think that there are issues there that are not uh, brought to light um, that will start to come to light even if Antonio Brown leaves. So I do agree that um, he's a problem for them and they need to move on. <clears throat> but I think in order to save this last remaining sliver of this window that they've had, they need to they need to tighten up ship quickly, or it's going to start falling apart, and they're going to have to come in and clean everything out. Um, so I think they probably have another year or two years in that window before they they have to you know start making some hard decisions. Do you think Holly they're scared of the Browns because the Browns are on the uprise with May- Mayfield? I don't know if, if anybody <laughs> – I think that's a really interesting concept. I don't think anybody that has ever funny, heard of anybody being scared question. of the Browns. But I understand that that's actually a more valid uh, question now because they are on the uptick. I don't think they're anybody to be scared of quite yet, but they're definitely somebody that you have to pay attention to now, which has not been said for quite a while. So. I don't, I don't think the Browns are their problem. I, I do think they need to get rid of Antonio Brown and uh, take care of their, their own side of the fence. <laughs> well, they're not going to trade Brown to the Browns, right? 
That would not be probably well, be the best funny, idea. Right? Wouldn't it be funny? I think that'd be that would funny. be hilarious. That would that would be hilarious. <laughs> Can you imagine Antonio Brown? <laughs> on in the, Cleveland. <laughs> in, in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield. With Josh how, how interesting how interesting would those celebration dances be? I, I don't even know. <laughs> oh no. I, I'm just saying it's like if he goes to Frisco, Holly, I mean, are you gonna embrace him? Just for the touchdown and the yeah. dances, like Troy said? You know you know, it's one of those things that yeah, as a Niners fan, I mean we we had Trill Owens. We've had we've had our share of bad boy receiver types. Um, I think the only thing that scares me about Brown really is I don't want to give up too much for him. And so if if they can get True. you know if they can get him, I don't want to give up a first round pick because we really need that still right now. We're not quite there that we can feel comfortable giving up a, a first round pick. So if we can get him for something that's more reasonable and still keep that future that we're trying to build, then I, I don't think it would be necessarily a problem. I think I think that it would be a, a probably good for Antonio Brown personally to be in a different city, a different situation. And he is definitely a prima donna when it comes to social media, and he, he kind of throws fits like, like a kid. But the one thing you can say about him is he works hard. You Nobody has ever doubted his work ethic. And so maybe it's a situation where he needs to be in a different environment. Um, and so I do think you're right, Troy, that it's buyer beware. But I think if you're going to put him in a spot, the, the San Francisco – 49ers might actually be a beneficial spot for him. You know, I, I, maybe a change of scenery helps, but from what I've seen out of human nature is that you don't change who you are just because your environment changes. Only time that, you know, people are going to change is if something drastic happens. I just, I kind of expect him to be the same way especially if you get to a situation, look, Jimmy G is an excellent quarterback, but Jimmy G has also shown the propensity to throw interceptions, and he hasn't been the healthiest guy. You don't know how he's going to come back. If he goes into that organization and he doesn't have Big Ben throwing him the ball, he ends up, you know, with Nick Mullins, who I, I love the kid, by the way. I love Nick Mullins. I think he's a great, I think he's a great kid, but, you know, he's no Jimmy G. He's definitely not a Ben Roethlisberger. And so what happens when, you know, he's not getting his catch there? I mean, because that's really what most of the arguments were about when he had been getting into it on the sidelines because he wasn't getting enough looks. And so I, I hope, again, I hope he gets it together. He's a supreme talent. I, I don't think – I just really don't think he is going to change. And I think, with you know, with the, the Steelers maybe getting a raw deal, you know, when, they, when, it, when people think about they lump in – Le'Veon Bell with the problems that the Steelers have been having. Le'Veon Bell's problem was simply about money. It was a negotiation standpoint. And the Steelers are notoriously cheap. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's, it was, everyone was kind of astonished when Antonio Brown got this new deal with the Steelers because they really paid, you know, uh, top dollar. But you had to. He was possibly the best wide receiver in the league. You can't just let him walk. But they're notoriously cheap, just like the Patriots are. They're frugal. They pay players, you know, they pay their quarterback. But, you know, mostly everyone else is going to have to either take a pay cut or and they'll just be the next man up. So um, I really think 
things are going to start getting figured out if Antonio Brown leaves, or it's still a possibility where that value of that deal is just too much, and Steelers may come back and say, look, we're going to have to work this out. Antonio Brown decides to change his attitude, and things go forward from there. We'll see. But to me, it looks right now it's irreparable. All right. So, you guys, uh, we have the Alliance of American Football, which is uh, the the league that's going to kick off right after the Super Bowl. It starts uh, – the season commences on February 9th, runs through Sunday, April 14th. Then following that, you have a 14 playoff with the two higher seeds hosting the semifinals. Championship of all surprises, surprises, is in Vegas. Troy, you got to be there, the 27th and 28th at Sam Boyd Stadium. That's where the AAF championship is going to be in Vegas. So, um, what uh, uh, what do you guys think of this? Um, Holly, let's start with you. What do you think of this league? Is it going to be – it's not an XFL per, per se, but it's supposed to be uh, – it's being sent off as a gap between the NFL and college, for, you know, between the seasons. So, basically, it's, it's supplementing uh, a gap of football – which we already pretty much have with women's football, if we had women's football, but we don't, you know, in terms of a national stage. But this is a totally different league from what I'm told with, you know, former coaches, well-known coaches, et cetera. I think um, it should be very interesting. <clears throat> I was reading up on, you know, the, the different rules and how it's set up. And I think, you know, if you look at the list of people that are involved, there's there's some big name people that are, are coaching. I'm really kind of impressed by the the coaches that they are able to to get involved in this league. <clears throat> and I think <clears throat> I think that um, I think it's really going to be interesting to see how this first season goes. I think if they have some success and viewership and people are watching. Um, then I think it definitely has a chance to become that uh, gap. I do think there's currently a gap with uh, some, you know, like the Canadian Football League, you have Arena, uh, you know, there, there are other avenues. But is there something that um, is also there that's more polished, like this wants to be? So, they, you know, to each their own. I mean, I, I can't get enough football, so... I might get sucked into this. Um, I, I think I already am. So I'm kind of excited to see how the game plays out with the different rules that they have and see if that makes it uh, more exciting. Um, they have, it looks like, a 30-second play clock to make it faster, uh, and they're going to do away with TV timeouts, which I always thought was really funny. I don't know about you, Troy, but there are times when I think in my game, I don't have TV timeouts, and some of these other people, like in college and NFL, have a thousand timeouts. And I'm like, why are you so tired? I play a whole game with no TV timeout, and I'm just fine. Like, I don't, I don't you know get what? it. But <laughs> I say the same thing. I say the exact same thing. I'm like, man, all that conditioning training y'all doing, y'all out there huffing and puffing. I'm like, every time y'all stop to play and wait for almost two minutes every single time. I'm sorry, I had to say that. Yeah, because you're exactly right. I know. Right. And then you, you can't even, like, squeeze your own water bottle to get water. I, I don't know. That That's another thing that always bugs me is I've never a player that does that. I just tilt my helmet up and I give myself my own water because I'm a grown person. 
Anyways, I, exactly. I, I digress. Um, exactly. And then there's <laughs> it might, Holly. It might not happen very long if the WN, WNFC is a success. You might just have your own water boy at every down. <laughs> well, we have water people, and they bring <laughs> me the water. Uh, they just don't squeeze it in my mouth. When anybody tries to do that to me, it's so awkward. I don't know why. Like I'm just like standing there with my mouth open, hoping that they aim correctly. And I'm like, this is weird. Can you just give me the bottle? <laughs> Maybe I'm weird, but I just never like that. Um, then they're not going to have any kickoff. <laughs> like, come on. Like, it makes me feel like that uh, old school, uh, you know, carnival game where you squeeze the water into, like, the mouth of the town. That's how I feel. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, just give me the bottle. I'll do it myself. Uh, but there's not going to be any kickoff. Uh, so everybody starts from the 25, which that's going to be very interesting. Um, and there's no, we take the football out of football. No kickoff. We take the football out of football. I think it's more of, um, they're trying to make it a faster paced game, but I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see because if it's successful, then you you might see like the NFL at least take notice or college take notice and and, and maybe try some different things out um, that this league is doing. Um, but I'm really curious and kind of excited. I think it's more. I think it's better put together so far than the XFL was. But uh, we'll definitely see what happens. Well, yeah, big names, uh, Troy, in this environment. You got uh, Charlie Ebersol. You got uh, Bill Poland. You have, uh, I think, J.K. McKay, former the son of uh, John McKay. You have Heinz Ward. So there's some big players in here. And then we can't forget mentioning here the uh, Steelers. They're hiring the three female coaches. They're obviously uh, Jennifer King of the Car- uh, of the uh, IWFL and WFA uh, Carolina Phoenix, uh, and previously of the Carolina Panthers internship, and now part of the Arizona Hotshots. Then you have, obviously, Jen Welter. We all know, legendary Jen Welter. She's going to be at the Atlanta Legends. And then uh, Coach Lo, uh, Lou uh, Locus of the Birmingham Iron. So big step right there just alone in hiring them as well as part of the inaugural season, Troy. Yes, I mean, it's a, it's a, a lot of big names out there. I mean, you got Bill Devaney, and he's the general manager for the, the um, Atlanta Legends. Rick Neuheisel is coming back. He's coaching now, former uh, UCLA coach. Uh, you got Trevor Knight, quarterback Trevor Knight for uh, Oklahoma, and then he, he transferred uh, to Texas Tech. I thought he should have been in the NFL. He's getting a chance to show himself. I mean, lots of big names. Uh, Jarrell Worthy. He used to defensive tackle for Michigan State. He was a high draft pick. Randy Mueller is, uh, you know, the GM. Dennis Erickson, you know, former University of Miami head coach, you know, won national titles there. Mike Riley, former coach of the San Diego Chargers, he's in coaching. Mike Marks, of course, we talked about him last week. He's with the San Diego Fleet. So there's a lot of big names out there that are getting a chance, uh, you know, to get their second shot at things. I mean, some other big names, Trent Richardson. Mike Singletary out there coaching. So, I mean, it's really going to be – that's really what I want to see. I want to see, you know, uh, some of the familiar names that I'm – that, you know, I've known from the past, from college football, also from the pros, and also some young guys who 
maybe didn't get a chance to get in the NFL, maybe didn't even get a look from the NFL, but they get a chance to continue living out their dreams, playing football. So I'm definitely looking forward to this, man. I, I'm a football junkie, so I have to watch it. I don't, I don't have any choice, but I'm definitely excited about this, man. Can't wait to see it. Let's bring in Salty in the house. Salty, this is like a big opportunity for some of those players that just could not make an NFL roster or didn't want to be on a you know practice squad. Literally, this is their moment, basically, the gap between college football and the NFL. Yeah, and um, actually, and some would even consider this opportunity more or less like um, like a, a, a G League, I guess. You know, like a G yeah. League like the uh, NBA has. This is more like the that in between stuff, just like you're talking about from a college to the NFL. And you know, for some, and for some, it may even open up another possible opportunity or two to try to get back into the league. Um, you know, maybe they were out for injuries, or maybe they just you know, weren't quite good enough or developed enough to get a spot on an NFL team. So I feel like this opportunity is going to really bring out that talent that was either overlooked or, you know, not looked at enough kind of thing. So I'm I'm excited. I'm exci- I'm actually – I'm more or less excited to see what uh, Jennifer Kay is going to do with the, with the hot shots. So I can't wait. Now, uh, this is going to be a 10-week season, 40-game regular season which will begin Saturday, February 9th, 8 p.m. It's going to be uh, from Spectrum Stadium in Florida, where the Orlando Apollos will host the Atlanta Legends as the kickoff game. And then from the Alamo Dome in Texas, it will be the San Antonio Commanders will be taking on the San Diego Fleet. Uh, Each week, there will be two Saturday games, two Sunday games. The Saturday games will kick off at 8 p.m. Eastern, while the Sunday games will typically start at 4 p.m. Eastern or earlier. Uh, it is going to be on CBS. It is going to be scheduled opening day. CBS Sports Network will carry one uh, AAF game each week throughout the season. You can also see the week-by-week schedule for ind- individual teams on the website. So um, Arizona is going to play, I believe, at Sun Devil Stadium. Uh, Rich, uh, as uh, Troy mentioned, Rick Neuheisel. Some of the key names here are Trevor Knight, the quarterback, Atlanta Legends, uh, Bill Devaney. Uh, head coach Kevin Coyle, you have Aaron Murray uh, as their quarterback. You go further and you have Luis Perez, which was on the Rams earlier this year as news, and it will be Tim Lewis at Legion Field for the Birmingham Iron. The Liberty Bowl will host the Memphis Express, general manager Will Lewis, and then obviously head coach Mike Singletary. You also have the Apollos, they're playing at Spectrum Stadium, Uh, Steve Furrier of all names, plus quarterback Garrett Gilbert, uh, and that's going to lead up the Apollos. And then Salt Lake Stallions, which uh, Luis was pretty excited to have a, a, an actual pro team in Utah. They'll play at Rice Eccles Stadium and then Randy Muller and then Dennis Erickson, and their quarterback is going to be B.J. Daniels. San Antonio Commanders at the Alamo Dome. Uh, their head coach is Mike Riley. Their quarterback is going to be Dustin Vaughn. San Diego Fleet. Uh, it's going to be David Bowler and then Mike March. Um, Troy, the the fleet, if it does well, do we boot the Chargers just like the fan base is just going to just give it the finger or the finger's been given already? No, I mean, you know what? I think this is just a, you know, small reprieve, um, you know, for the for the folks of San Diego. Uh, hopefully they come out and support the product, man. But the, these guys, you know, San Diego's got to be jilted. They had the Chargers leave like they did 
or maybe they didn't because, you know, if they really wanted them there, they would have approved the stadium. But, um, yeah, I think uh, the, the Chargers are looking pretty good up in L.A. right now. So I think, you know, they can still be fans of it, but, you know, they're going to have to let that one go. But I do think that the NFL will return to San Diego. I will say that. I think that is just going to happen. It, it may happen pretty soon, maybe in the next, you know, um, in uh, 2025. But I think San Diego will return. All right. Um, Mackenzie, what team are you rooting for? Are you doing regional here, or are we going with Arizona because of, of Jennifer King? Are we going with the Atlanta Legends because of Jen Walter? Or are we going with the Birmingham Iron because of Coach Low Locust? Oh, that's a good question. Oh. I Which one are you adopting? I go. <laughs> um, honestly, I, I think I'm, I'm going to have to adopt the uh, the Arizona Hotshots. Um, like I said, because I've played against Jennifer and I've played with her, so I know what she can bring to the table um, as far as a, a player's aspect and a coaching aspect. So I, I'm adopting them. All right. Um, Holly, which uh, AAF team are you going to be adopting? Well, <clears throat> currently I would say I'm a free agent, but the teams that most interest me, I don't have anybody close to me up here, um, but uh, I've always really respected Mike Riley. Um, he coached at Oregon State forever off and on, and uh, so – I really liked him, and then Mike Singletary, uh, great, great, great linebacker. Uh, not the best coach when he was in San Francisco, but I still I really like him a lot. So I'm on the fence there between Memphis and San Antonio, but I'm going to have to see them play and kind of get a feel for each team before I make my pick. But currently, I, I would say those are the two teams I'd be looking at. All right. Troy, what are we going with? East, East Coast? I'm going East Coast, and I'm going with the Atlanta Legends. And the reason why I'm picking the Legends is they have former Michigan quarterback Denard Robinson. He's going to be playing running back for the Legends. He also had a stint in Jacksonville playing running back there. Uh, didn't work out, and he was out. Of, he's been out of the league the last two years. He's now resurfacing in this league, so I definitely want to see him do well. I don't want to – you know who I don't want to see do well is Rick Neuheisel. And this is about Michigan also because Rick Neuheisel and that damn Hail Mary, I will never Tell us how you forgive feel, you, sorry. Rick Neuheisel. I will never forgive you for that. I hope, you know, but no, I'm just messing around. <laughs> I'm just messing around. You know, I hope, I, hope, I hope you guys well, man. But you know what? I'm still hurting over that. That damn Hail Mary hurt my feelings badly, man. <laughs> You're, you're, you're having the same reservations as Holly with Singletary for her for his head coaching stink in San Francisco. That's why she's like, I can't go there, but I like the guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, anytime, you know, I, I, I name. That's exactly what I'm thinking of, man. It hurts, man. I I agree <laughs> with you with Rick Neuheisel, uh, Troy, because as an Oregon fan, when he coached at Washington, we could not stand him. So. Uh, I think he was a much better uh, analyst when I've seen him with the Pac-12 network. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of these guys that have been kind of on the bench coaching-wise, too, so it'll be interesting to see how they, they come out. But I, I, I understand that there are people out there that have hurt my feelings, too, Troy, so I, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm going to go with the fleet because I'm on the West Coast. (laughs) Oh, shoot. You okay, Mackenzie? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just laughing at all this. uh, What's what's this snowstorm? What's this below below 50 weather in Iowa that I read about earlier? Look, look, this, okay, I am salty about this weather. This is disrespectful. First of all, no one has time for negative, I don't even have time for regular cold weather, let alone negative 40. Mother Nature isn't political. Just much here and stand that. Well, she needs to get it together. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Mackenzie, I just had a vision of you. You know how, like, when uh, it's cold weather and the news people have, like, the one reporter that's out on the yeah. scene with, like, the hurricane coming? I feel like that's Mackenzie. That's and and mm-hmm. she can't hear anything, so she's putting her uh, her head to uh, the side, and she's trying to hear her earpiece, and it's like, whoosh, 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 whoosh. What was that, Bob, in the studio? I can't hear you. Whoosh, <laughs> whoosh. I feel like that's Mackenzie. <laughs> it, it is. And literally, I did a Snapchat before I, I uh, left work about how disrespectful the weather is, and I had no time for it. Well, I, I, mean, I can I tell you, Mother Nature imagine. Mother Nature is brutal in some places. <laughs> it's not friendly. Yeah. Yeah, they said 75% of the United States is freezing right now. It's just, I mean, that, but that Iowa, negative 50, yeah, I'm good on that. I mean, I'm sorry. That, that's <laughs> just, I can't even, oh, my gosh, man. Hey, look, I hope you guys stay warm. I hope y'all keep the, the fires lit and all the heat you can get over there, man. So, you know, my shouts out to everybody that's dealing with that cold. I'm not leaving my house tomorrow unless I have to. Oh yeah, that, yeah. You be safe. Don't don't be going on slides, especially snow slides in a car. That's not a good result. Um, but I saw that. I saw some of your pictures out there, so I'm like, whoa, hello. I haven't seen that since I was in Minnesota in the army, which is not very friendly. <laughs> to be under under twenty, it's not very good next to steel. <laughs> that's when you. That's oh, when you geez. wish for some loving. You wish for some loving. Oh, okay. You're like, where's the, where's the, where's the heat? You know what I mean? Oh, boy. Oh, that feeling. Oh, steel sucks. That's all I got to say. <laughs> In a cold. <laughs> oh. All right. Um, we're not going to be kicked out of the podcast for that remark, I don't think. I'm good. Um, but the, it did pan out that way. <laughs> In my brain. Oh. All right, um, Mackenzie. So let's get back to get back to football <laughs> from ice cold Iowa. All right, um, so Mackenzie, uh, Super Bowl pick. We already did our picks, so you're still going with the Rams, right? Hashtag Rams. Hashtag McVay all the way. Yeah, well, not all that, but definitely going with what? the Rams. Um, like I said, I'm pretty sure. Ninety percent of America is going to be a, um, an LA Rams fan. I hope uh, we're not disappointed. Sunday, of disappointment, and that's going to make Troy very, very like what I told you. What? But we'll see. Look, Troy don't have no room to be talking about some what I told you. He's going to take an L to me forever, so he cannot. We'll wait for the. I, we'll wait. I'll we'll wait the, for the results. I pick the Cowboys. I pick the Cowboys to lose to the Rams. L's are over. 
incorrect because you said they was gonna win by they was gonna lose by seventeen and you still lost that one. So L. Not that cold out there, Troy. Can you tell? He's gotten eaten up now. Yeah, exactly. See, but you know what, Oscar? This is your fault. This is your fault, Oscar. <laughs> oh my you God. get on here, and you, and oh you rile her up all the time <laughs> just so you can hear her be salty. This is your fault. I blame you oh, solely for this. I, I apologize. You do it every time. You poke the bear I apologize for the salsa and guacamole that's happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! Uh, no, I, I just it, Mackenzie's so awesome. Just, just gotta rile her up. If you don't rile her up, it's not fun. You could her, her whole social media. If she isn't riled up, she's like, she goes fast. You know, just like if she doesn't, just like too calm. It's like, no, that's not her. We want the other one. Look, I don't. I'm, I'm not to messing with Mackenzie too much. Most of my time. I'm, I'm not messing with Mackenzie too much. I'm like, look, she, she's the MMA fighter. I don't want no. I don't have no smoke with you. This is all. Have you seen, have you seen this girl in action? She's, she's mean to yeah. a punching bag. She's mean. I, yeah, I don't. I don't want no problems. I don't want no problems. Look, I'll just say this: I live ninety-five percent of my life being salty about something. It could be the smallest wow. thing. It could be the biggest thing. Like my my life is mostly salt. And bang energy drink. Mackenzie, I try to like envision the conversation about you went from football and all of a sudden just somebody just came up and said, Hey, would you like to get kick somebody's butt on a weekly basis and it's gonna be formal and you're gonna get paid? And it's like you're like, Sure, that's my gig. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Yeah, I'm I can do that. <laughs> oh so I have questions. So here's my question. Between you and uh, take Hey, between you and Destiny, uh, <laughs> Destiny out there and uh, from the Cow War Angels in the MMA, it's like that's impressive. Oh yeah, yeah, I love her. <laughs> I love me some Destiny. She, ooh, I oh, yeah. honestly, I get some of my motivation from her, like because she's on she, a level. She wasn't a happy camper with the Saints results because she's a big Saints <laughs> fan, but you know what I mean. But yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was following that, and I'm like, oh, she's not going to be very happy. But, hey, you guys, did you see the video I sent out from uh, one of the other uh, – uh, one of the coaches that broke down some of the film? That was literally kind of like, okay, so that – actually, that is a non-call, and that was correct because there was actually holding on mm-hmm. that whole series. I was like, what? Yeah, I, I saw and, like, that. Did you see that? It was it's kind of like a hold, a tip ball, and out on the whole series. So I guess yeah, the, the refs did get it right, I guess. Yeah, there was just – there was so much going on in that that small frame of time. Like, I mean, it was just uh, – I'm kind of over this entire situation as far as the Saints trying to do the NFL. It's, no, pointless. Yeah. So, so we're, what's your score uh, once again? Because I think I took 28-24, and everybody else is over uh, over the 30. I think Troy said 30-something to 20-something. Um, I had it 35-38 Rams in overtime. Zerline all the way. Yes. <laughs> That's my MVP right there. Zerline all the way. Oh, it, it, Troy. 
if Troy on this side, it would be so awesome if that happened. You know why? Because it, it would be the repeat of the Venetary moment, but on the opposite side now, on our side. You still there, Troy? Still there? I think you ran him off. Did you run him off again? Oh, I probably did. You know, I that seems to be a good. I habit. think you I ran know. him off. I think you ran him off because I think he just dropped off. So he might be, he he might, he ran off. That's not cool. That's not cool, Mackenzie. I had him like right there and he just dropped off. You know, just sometimes brutal. I can't help it. My saltiness is, a, yeah, you know, my saltiness is a little overwhelming for some people. That's brutal. Just right. Holly's gone. Then Corey's gone. Man, you got a clean house right there. Oh, look, he's back. Ooh, yeah. hold on. Talking, talking <laughs> hey. about the girl here. He's back. So you didn't drop. You didn't send him off. Yeah, we got you. I just thinking. He, I, I was thinking he scared you off. She scared you off, and you left. Well, I mean, that, that was part of it. I just used the that my phone breaking down as an excuse. You know what I'm saying? But you know, I figured, <laughs> ah, go ahead, give it another chance. So I come back. I'm like, you know, Salty's pretty cool so most of the time. She's not a danger. So she's a little bit too cold to fight right now. So I'm gonna just go ahead and come back and just chill out. <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, Mackenzie, the AAF, uh, are you sort of excited like everybody else to see what it transpires, how it works out? Like Holly says, we have, with the rule changes and everything, we'll see how, how interesting this the league's going to be. Yeah, it's, I'm going I'm, to – I see – and I'm, I'm kind of in the middle with, with how I feel like it should go and how I feel like it's actually going to go for that plain reason as far as – rule changes in the NFL and how they're trying to, you know, make the structure NFL-like as far as, um, you know, having the kind of talent that they do. So I'm, I'm real interested in seeing how this, this folds out, especially the, for the first with, um, with the first inaugural season coming around the corner. Um, I'm real stoked to see how this is going to turn out. I mean, some, and some people that I've talked to have, are not too thrilled that there's, a new league of like a new football league, which to me makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Like, why would, why would you not want to see, like if people claim that they love football as much as they do, why wouldn't you want to see more of that on TV? Even though, you know, the NFL regular season is done and the Super Bowl is this weekend. So why, why wouldn't you want to continue to see more football? I don't quite understand that. Yeah, we'll see how interesting it is. And then apparently we have the XFL rebirth coming in another year. So we'll see how uh, Troy's boy McMahon resurfaces this whole XFL again. You know what? I'm kind yeah, of looking forward good. to seeing. I, I'm looking forward to seeing how they do that. You know, he said it's going to be a little bit different this time. I think, you know, you got a lot. The NFL viewership is down, and I think people will be a little bit more uh, accustomed or welcoming to taking a look at another football league. There's a lot of people that started to boycott the NFL for whatever reason. And I think they will pick up some of those viewers because, you know, you know they'll get to watch a little bit of football again. And then, you know, those guys also, there's a lot of people who watch college ball and they want to see how those guys translate. Are they going to have that star power? Is it going to be, you know, just that same in-your-face way that they did it last time? But, you know, Vince said he learned from it. So I want to see, you know, how it's going to be a little bit different. 
Can't wait to see those guys on the field too. So I'm always ready to check that one out. Interesting to see how they they differentiate from the AAF, the NFL. And then a side note, you guys, the Canadian Football League has officially announced. This is about a week or so ago. Has officially announced, Troy, they are draft. They are going to be drafting players exclusively from the two professional leagues in Mexico, which is huge news. So you're going to see a lot of Mexican wow. players over in Canada. So that's the that was the announcement that was made uh, about a week ago in Mexico. There's two pro leagues in Mexico right now competing, and out of those leagues, they will the CFL will start drafting an annual draft, not just from the colleges in the states, but from the colleges in Mexico as well. Two pro leagues in Mexico for players to come to. So we could see the evolution of the Canadian Football League to a higher branding. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when the um, when the CFL. I remember when they started to have uh, American teams, and I actually that was around the time where I really started to take notice of the CFL. And you just love the way that they play, and I, I'm taking. I, I'm, I definitely like to see that uh, with them too. So I've been a fan of a fan of both of those leagues. Yeah, we'll see how interesting that becomes and how impactful those players can be. A lot of them are, uh, played a lot of university time in Mexico, and they never got an opportunity because there's no pro league in Mexico. But now there's two pro leagues in Mexico, and their partnership with the CFL, that's going to be a huge uh, – we'll see how it, it pays dividends for the CFL up north in terms of branding and expanding. And, but they're excited about it. So um, maybe that's one of the things that they're going to pull from besides the uh, Canadian universities. Yeah, and it's starting to, you know, Mexico is starting to become, uh, you know, I mean, it's already been, you know, the game of football is already popular there as it is, but you're starting to see the advent of more sports teams, and you're starting to see universities, you know, employ an American football team. So it's starting to spread down there. And, of course, we already know there's so many women's leagues uh, opening up down there playing tackle football. So it's just, you know, the, the sport is blowing up down there, and to see these guys get a chance, it's going to be great. Um, can't wait to check that out, man, and see how they equip themselves. All right. Since we're talking football, um, you guys can go to the hub at facebook.com. You can get uh, stories, breaking news, and everything women's American football that's happening globally right at the hub at facebook.com or Saskatoon Beauties. You can also go to our Instagram, check out all the gallery there of moments and exciting, exciting times that happen in women's American football. And you can also Check us out on our Twitter daily for updates and NFL news as well and inspiring uh, health tips as well. So um, go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Fernand Beauties. We want to thank our sponsor, uh, Zazzle.com. You go to the No Joke Football Shop at Zazzle.com forward slash Fernand Beauties. Get your stuff there, hoodies, leggings, everything else. Um, every sale that goes there for every $25 that we earn gets, uh, gets us to spotlight another talented athlete that's playing women's American football globally. So head out to Zazzle.com, use the uh, daily code, save up to 25%. And then if you're uh, out of the international realm, you can go to the Zazzle.com site at the very bottom. It says Worldwide tab, choose your country code. And there's special codes and savings every day as well there. So you can take advantage of some uh, savings on shipping. And in the U.S., it's black, Zazzle Black for $9.99, one-time fee, being all year round. So it's a big deal and a very good deal as well. Um, Mackenzie, let's go to Spain because that's where it's at right now. The hotbed, 
uh, FEFA Spain, the 999 and 7 on 7 series. And so this past uh, week one, January 12th, was Valencia 16 to 6 over Barcelona Buffaloes. Then you had January 19th, the Pioneers uh, 70 to 6 over Badalona Drax. Uh, this Badalona team has been the, the punching bag for this league for the last three years, and it's, it's continuing. And then week two, it was uh, Valencia 70 to 6 over Badalona as well. So, um, I'm sorry, January 26th. And then this coming weekend, the champions, the seven-time multi-champion Barbera rookies will host the Pioneers February 2nd. So um, Valencia came from the lower-graded LFCPA, and now they're in the big, the big top league on 999. So we'll see how competitive they're going to be when they face up against the champs down the road here. But so far, so good. The Firebats, um, two wins, 70-6 to six and a 16-6. to six. So technically, they're pretty good. You know, we we talked about we talked about the international league and stuff from for the past year as far as how they've been developing and how they're coming together. And every time I hear a score that is fifty plus coming from these international teams, it still just blows my mind because it just it it attests to how much talent really is around the world. And I'm just and I, when I I actually finally got a chance to to watch some of the some more of the international games as far as uh Spain and Barcelona. I was just like like seventy to six, like that's a thing. <laughs> like I could like I can't imagine what that would be like, what kind of game that would be like up here in the States. Just And you do have to take wow. into account it is nine nine nine, so it is a faster game. It's similar to L F L in a, in an eight on seven true. on seven format in a way. And nine nine nine. So it's more like I would say tackle flag, if that's the term. It's basically that kind of mm-hmm. game. It's a faster pace, still, you know, full full kit. But it is it is in, in, impressive so far that the uh, Valencia Firebats are doing so well in two weeks out. So they're undefeated right now. Um, they are basically 70, 70 to 6 and 16 to 6. So they're outscoring their opponents literally almost 90 points to 12, which is pretty impressive early. Which is on the edge of insanity if we're being honest, but like okay. I said, when you have, when you, when you have teams that are, that are just that dominant, especially, you know, coming from the, I guess the lower levels to, you know, their, that their top level um, over there in the, the other countries, it's, it's more or less just, you know, it basically attests to how much hard work those, those overly dominant teams are actually putting in because, you know, you always have, you always have the most popular teams in your league. You always have those teams that are like super, you know, super small but hardworking and still end up on top. And then you have those super elite teams that are just like, we're going to crush you every time we play you, and until you get as good as us, you're not going to touch us, kind of thing. And it's not, and it's not. That's not so much a bad demeanor. It's just, it's like I said, it's literally on the edge of insanity if you really think about it. Like that's crazy. Well, thanks to our network partner, La Liga Sports, and obviously the organization, which is FEFA. Um, all wall-to-wall coverage, all season long, and we'll be part of it. There will be some live games, and we will let you know when those are up and running as FEFA uh, displays them and showcase them and posts them. And then we will uh, get the La Liga coverage as well. We've got La Liga coverage highlights of week one on our Facebook page at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Beauties. 
So you can go there and check out the, the highlights of the week one um, victories. And then uh, in the seven-on-seven format, uh, the Z- uh, Zarazoga Hornets, uh, they, on January 10th, 44-27 to over the Tres Cantos Jabarotos. And then on January 26th, it was the Black Demons, 25-0 to over the uh, Gion Mariners. And coming up this weekend, it is Gion versus Saragossa. So it's a battle of 0-1 versus 1-1 in the 7-on-7 format. And then Habatos looking for their win against Black Demons. Black Demons used to be in the 9-9 format about two years ago. They kind of scaled down because of numbers. But this is going to be a great weekend for a great matchup. So Troy, um, in the 7-on-7 format, Zaragoza looks to be the powerhouse at this point early on. But the Black Demons are probably the veteran team, considering that they won uh, some, you know, final games over in the 9-on-9 format. You know, when you have that, you know, you're you're used to, you know, you have that leadership and you have the experience, that lends itself sometimes. And, you know, when you have that experience out there, you have a chance to. So, you know, you may have – I mean, the Demons may not be the best team, uh, but as long as they got that leadership, they have a shot. And this is the similar program that we've talked about in the past with other leagues. They're not ready for 11-on-11, similar to what Mexico had been doing for a long time with arena-style 8-on-8. So, McKenzie, this is a building block. Um, They're starting to go to that that next level. From what I hear and from what uh, everything is posted, uh, they don't have the numbers yet in certain clubs to even commit to that because some of the coaches obviously need a 30-man roster or higher, and right now they're barely getting a 22-man roster. So they're getting – they're staying on the 909 and 77 format, obviously, until they can commit or until it becomes a lot more popular. So that's preventing them from going to 11 on 11. And probably the reason why they did not uh, basically uh, put out a IFAB World Championship team this year from the previous year that was happening before. They've put up a Euro team in the past, so, but uh, I think they still are affected by numbers. Yeah, and unfortunately, like I, like we were kind of talking about a couple of weeks ago, um, even with the American women's game, um, as far as the, the tier system is concerned and division system is concerned, you know, if you don't have a certain amount of players, you know, you're in, you're either like in a D2 or D3 as opposed to a D1 that may have, you know, just 40, 50 plus um, players on their roster kind of thing. I mean, the same thing works for the international game. You know, if you don't have, if you don't have, the roster, you know, enough players on your roster to to commit to that eleven on, you know, eleven eleven on eleven full full series. And that's that's really what's all you can do at this point is that they just have to keep building on what they're already building. I mean, I mean, two years ago they were it's still in the same, you know, still in the same position as far as getting enough girls to do the seven on seven. And then once they did that, they were able to move to the nine on nine. And then I I honestly I anticipate that those teams. Um, in the international leagues that are smaller, I anticipate them moving up to the 11-on-11 um, series just because of how popularizing the sport started to become across the world. So we got a shout-out to the Firebats, uh, Anna Leal and uh, Natalia uh, Alvarez, as well as uh, Gloria Yelodari, uh over in the Firebats. Uh, obviously standouts for the week one and two positions. And over in uh, Saragoza, Isabel Garcia, as well as uh, Black Demons, uh, Asurena Munoz, 
and Laura Rodriguez, um, and obviously the Habaritos, uh, Sarah Munoz, and Ellie Collado. You can find all the details and everything that's happening with the uh, FEFA Spain at the FEFA.es as well. And we will update those as the teams update photos and as our networks come, uh, give us information on that as well. So looking forward to week, uh, the, the February 2nd weekend, Gigon Mar uh, Mariners looking for their first win against Saragossa, looking for a uh, second win of the season. Habatos uh, trying to rebound versus the Black Demons, also looking for their second win of the season in the seven-on-seven -seven format. And on the other side, you have Barbera rookies, the champions, multi-time champions. They will be facing El Hospital Pioneers. So what's happening there? Baffa Women Action Week 3 Recap. Uh, we'll post it up as soon as double coverage has it uh, done. So double coverage, uh, the exclusive coverage of Baffa Women, our network partner as well. And we will get that posted up on our at the hub at facebook.com forward slash square down beauties. Um, Troy, this Baffa Women uh, UK tournament, very ex extensive now. A lot of teams and even the Birmingham Lions who faced the New York Sharks now have an A and a B team in this series. So that, that's a really good for the program in Birmingham. Yeah, I mean, you're, you know, you're starting to get more participation in the league. And so, you know, you can expand a little bit more and, and your teams can get a lot bigger. And then you also get a chance to have some uh, players uh, who may get a, who may a little bit of work. They get time to develop. So that, that lends to the credit that, you know, that gives a, a leg up to that league and a lot of teams in that league who can, uh, you know, get enough players out on the field. Yeah, it doesn't hurt that you get Phoebe Sketcher back. Uh, to play on that the last weekend series, so <laughs> it's also helpful. Um, Mackenzie, we go to Gridiron West over the semifinals in Gridiron West. Rockingham Vipers, who finished second, uh, versus the Perth Broncos. It is the top four teams in this uh, in this league make the semifinals. Perth number one taking on number four Curtin Saints. It is a uh, rematch basically of the last couple weeks as well. So two teams here, the champions looking to repeat, uh, becoming the first time back-to-back -back champions in the league because it's a two-year history. So this would, this would be memorable for them, for the Blitz. And Rotten, uh, Rottenham has played really well, but they're on a two-game uh, losing streak, as we talked about last week. So the Vipers really need to step it up against the Broncos. Yeah, and kind of like I said last week, I'm fully anticipating – Oh, you know, the uh, the Vipers coming back and kind of snapping that losing streak, like we kind of talked about last week, they just they have to get more consistent. Um, when, I, when I went back and watched um, some of the highlights of that game and then the, the game before, it just seemed like their defense wasn't quite, wasn't quite giving up. It, they were taking forever to pick up normal game speed. So, and I don't know, you know, I'm not sure if they were just, you know, tired if something was going on, but they weren't quite, they weren't quite picking it up like they usually do. So I was just like, what, like, what is going on? It's a bit, it's a bit, a really good season for the Vipers uh, from start to finish. And the last two weeks have just been sort of detrimental in a way where they've lost by close games. So this is a huge, uh, Troy, this is a huge obstacle for them because they don't want to go, you know, on a three-game losing streak to end the season like this in the semifinal. Is Troy drop off? I think he dropped off again. Let me see here. 
Yeah, I think he dropped off. So, uh, Mackenzie, so it's, it could be detrimental here because they have a good season and all of a sudden now they could literally lose in the semifinals and it's kind of a downer for – it's going to be downer. I think we got Troy back here. So it's kind of a downer for the Vipers here if they do end up losing to the Broncos. Troy, you back? I was going to say the, the Vipers on a, on a two-game losing streak lately uh, right before the semis here this coming weekend and um, on February 1st, but they – if they lose here in the semis, it would be a three-game losing streak to end the season, which is not going to be very comforting. No, especially, you know, you want to be playing your best ball toward the end of the year. And, you know, they're certainly not doing that. And, you know, it's, it's about time to turn it around. It's either do or die at this point. So, you know, you want to see them, uh, you know, get it worked out. Hopefully they can. Um, you know, maybe it was just, you know, some small miscommunications here and there. Uh, but you definitely want to be playing your best ball at this point of the season. Broncos have nothing to lose here. They finished third. They make the playoffs. They were 5-5, five and five, so they've played even 500 all season. So this would be a big win for them. Yeah, a huge win, you know, because, I mean, they're, that would be the opposite of it. You know, they started off a little bit shaky, and then they started to get it together. They started to gel toward the end of the year. And, you know, that's, they, they would have the momentum at that point. And then so going forward, it bodes well for them. You know, when you start to start to think about titles and championships, things like that, you know, they're starting to get that confidence and momentum. So this would be huge for that team if they can go ahead and pull that off at this point. Troy, the, the Blitz, uh, inaugural champions, they're looking for back-to-back champions, obviously. This is to defend the title. This is a brand-new league, two years old. So they're, they're focused – their season really was over like three weeks ago. They're literally just fine-tuning. The last game was canceled uh, because of, you know, heat against the Swan City. So they've had almost 15 days of rest against Curtin Saints, who've also had similar rest, about three weeks of rest now. So these two teams should be fresh and ready to go. It would be an upset if the Saints somehow beat them here in the semis and upset the champs. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, that kind of, it's the old adage, would you rather have rest, you know, uh, and some people would say, you know, let, let, let them rest up and heal up, but at the same time, you get a little bit rusty. You know, you start going against your own guys and you, you forget about the game timing. So those things can happen, but I think, you know, if you're going into the playoffs and, you know, your your team is well rested, in my opinion, I would rather have that than the latter. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they'll be fine going forward. I think they'll continue. They won't miss a beat. And, you know, they're 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 experienced team. I mean, they've already been here before. So, you know, this isn't new for them. So they'll know how to handle it, and they can take care of business when, when it comes down to it. All right. Uh, kind of looking at to see if we're going to have the Battle of Perth once again in the finals. Looks that way. But uh, we could have the Perth uh, – Blitz versus the Vipers one and two in the finals. So that, that will be interesting to see at this point going forward. So we'll know exactly uh, next week on Tuesday, who's going to be in the final for the great iron West uh, championship, the annual second year championship. So we'll look at that on uh, McKenzie storylines. We talked about her last week, bombshell this week, Antoinette Harris, Toyota, uh, RAV4 ad for the Super Bowl. This girl just keeps doing things. Look, I love her. Like, I really do. I mean, she – and I feel like anybody that 
is looking for any kind of motivation, whether it's athletic, whether it's just overall life motivation, I feel like should probably learn more about her because she is just one of those people. And, and she's not like a typical, not that, I mean, and I use the word typical very loosely as far as um, being an athlete anymore, but she, she's not your, she's not your typical female athlete. Like she didn't go to a big school to play a normal sport. She ended up starting at a smaller college and now is at a bigger college to play a bigger sport. So it's just just the attention and the hard work that she's put in to make her to have her dreams start to unfold and come true is phenomenal. And I just I love it. I love it. I love it. You gotta give credit to whatever agency she's working with because they have done big things for her. And and you cannot say the press isn't there. She's got really good press almost everywhere in terms of, you know, USA Today, CBS News. You know what I mean? She's got really good uh, very level-headed too, uh, humble, and uh, obviously she's Super she's driven. And so now it's like you know this is huge for her. This is almost the the equivalent of, if not bigger than uh, Brooke Leach being on that um, on the commercial, you know, for the for the playoffs. Same level almost. Yeah, yeah. In 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 an aspect, it's almost it's almost a little bit bigger in the sense that. Yeah, she's going. To, Tony's going to going to college and playing football. Where Brooke went, came straight out of high school, had that high school experience, and as far as you know, playing quarterback and being the starting quarterback to you know playing on a very well known, very competitive WFA women's pro team. So it's the as far as excitement and stature, they're pretty much equal. I mean, I don't think you could take anything away from either side not that anybody would and anybody that has a problem with it should probably just like go away and get out of people's existence because what both of these girls are doing is just phenomenal and and, you know you just you can't help but just think like wow this is amazing whether whether or not you believe you know whether or not you you believe women are equal as far as athletics are concerned or whether or not you think that you know a woman can actually hold her own in the nfl or in a man's sport in general, it, you literally have to, like, you, I feel like you almost have to be happy about this because this is something you don't see every day. Yeah, and it's a uh, Troy. She's uh, for Toyota to pay her up. She's not a pro. She doesn't. She's not playing in a pro league. She's playing basically in a college, and with men playing in college, and she's being spotlighted almost as a professional, which is pretty cool. It is cool. And, you know, it just gives more um, credence to, you know, women that play this game and and just, you know, how much they put into it. And just, you know, when you're watching them play, they can actually play the game. It's a viable product. And that just lends credence to that. I really like the uh, – Mackenzie, I really like the Twitter uh, teasers, the Twitter teasers, you know, the 30-second teasers. That, that they put out for oh, yeah. that was, was pretty awesome. Those are awesome. That's actually how I I had ended up finding out found out about the commercials. I was like, what is this? Like I was you know I'm always on Twitter, so I was scrolling through stuff, and it it came across my um my newsfeed on my Twitter, and I was like, get out of here. <laughs> I was like, you don't say. I mean, and and it's just crazy to think like 
there's now, I mean, before social media got super, you know, super big, it was like if you saw, if you read something in the paper or you saw something, I guess, you know, like online, um, you know, early online days of um, getting the paper and getting your news and such. And now it's just like there's so many different forms of internet and social media that you can get your information and find out something super fast as opposed to waiting for like a hard copy of something to get the news about it. It's just, it's crazy to me. I mean, I'm all over social media and I still can't get a, most of the time I still can't get a grasp on my own Facebook page, let alone, you know, getting 30, you get a 30 second, you know, teaser of the commercial here. And then I'm pretty sure I saw one on like Tumblr and uh, I'm pretty sure I saw one on Snapchat too. Now I think about it. So just the different forms of, the different forms of ways that we can get news and information and and breaking news and stuff like that is just, it's crazy to me. So kind of like you said, whoever Tony's, you know, um, promoters and, and publicity people are, are doing a phenomenal job. Yeah, it's just spotlighting her, and so it's, they're doing a great job in terms of putting her out there. Um, Troy, Odessa, always on the move. It's like, just like a firecracker. You know, I mean, she's just moving and moving and moving. And uh, this weekend, she's at the Super Bowl uh, in Atlanta, and she was part of the um, the Minnesota Viking National Center for Civil and Human Rights uh, LGBT inclusion panel alongside Katie Sowers. So uh, the WNFC is front and center alongside this gorilla that we know as the NFL. Yeah, and, you know, rubbing elbows. Super Bowl, I mean, they're bringing notoriety to the game. And, you know, if you can start to spread that out a little bit more, you know, the more as you get on your product, the better. And they're also trying to market this as, you know, a viable business product. And I think that's where OJ's strength is. She's she's a business person. And so, you know, I'm, I'm I would like to be in the room when she's down there, you know, having her talks because you can't help but be but gravitate to that type of energy and that kind of confidence. So I know she's knocking them down over there. So I, I expect some, some moves to be happening soon. Uh, of course, it, it'll take months and, and maybe even years to get some of this stuff done, but I really think she's going to get chopping on it, and she's really going to be an asset to uh, to women's football in general. Mackenzie, um, we all what? 36 months ago, the WFA this, the WFA that, and all of a sudden now we're talking WNFC everything. So did the WFA miss the boat here by not being so business-minded about it and getting up front in New York? No. Yes and no. I'm just saying I don't mean in, in a bad way where I'm saying what I'm trying to say is it looks like the visibility factor for the sport is now being radared on the WNFC versus the WFA who's been here for, you know, 10 years. So there's like, nobody was willing to go the extra mile. And it was like Kay and Odessa and, you know, the alumni that she's encircled with Welter, um, I mean, Bronson, everybody's just now getting into that stage where they're penetrating. If you want to call it that, and now you're getting, like Troy says, some valuable attention to where, okay, this could be a product. You know what I mean? And at some point, maybe somebody will support it, considering Adidas already has supported it. So, so here's my thoughts on this. 
Um, I wouldn't quite say the WSA so much missed a window as far as, you know, not having that publicity standing on NFL headquarters steps. Um, what I will say is, in a sense, they did because, you know, everybody looks for the, the, the newest thing. So as far as women's football is concerned right now, the WNFC is that that newest thing. So naturally with the WNFC being that new that new thing, that new, you know, um, stick that catches somebody's eye, naturally there's going to be a little bit more attention on the new thing because they want to see what it's about, how it's going to run. So we're gravitating, you know, towards, start. we're gravitating towards the brand. Is that what you're saying? We're just more – more uh, watching out, watching out, see what their moves are. Yeah, exactly. Because the, you know they're kind of they're kind of speculating and kind of full, have, they're kind of like half in and half out, I guess. Where you look at the the uh, WFA, like you said, ten plus solid years um, with the, the the same or current business plans that they have, and yet they're still running. They're still, you know, they're still a thing. So they're. I guess in their eyes, they probably see it as if it's not broken, why fix it? You know, and on the, on the, on the contrary to that, it's almost like if you want to advance the sport of women's football, you kind of need to take that next step as far as, you know, pushing the product, pushing players, pushing teams. And that's exactly what the WNFC has done. So, like I said, it's, it's a yes and no on both sides. Troy, uh, from the outside looking in, it looks like you have one entity literally in the, in the WNFC side where in the WFA, it's really up to each owner to promote themselves like you do Mile High and some other teams. So that makes it harder to get the attention of the big gorilla if you're in broken pieces. Am I wrong? No, you're not. And then that also leads to parity because, you know, if you have one team that is a little bit more, you know, they're more astute financially, that gives them an advantage. You know, what, you know, what the WNFC is doing is similar to what the NFL would do with revenue share and, you know, and, and making sure that everyone is on the even playing field, number one. And number two is just um, making sure everyone has their business tight. And by doing that, you have a governing body to take care of that. So I, I love the model that they're using. I think that's pretty smart to do that. Um, you want to see if it can sustain because it hasn't been done on, in the women's level, uh, at least not to my knowledge. This is just this is a different way of doing business. So you've seen some of the problems that the WFA has had. You've also seen a lot of problems that the IWFL had. And, um, you know, you want to see if this business model will work. So we'll definitely keep my eyes on that one to see how it all pans out. But I honestly have a lot of confidence in what they're doing. I think they they just really have a game plan together, unlike I've seen uh, before. So I just – I hope it just it, – it, it, um, I hope just it's out well. Mackenzie, uh, Katie there, she was part of the Players' Council. You have uh, Jody Rohlander uh, was announced also as part of the Players' Council. Um so there's still some WFA presence, if you want to call it, like at this event where, um, you know, Katie came obviously from the WFA, legendary in the WFA and everything else. So I don't know what the ins and outs is here in terms of working together between the WNFC and the WFA, or if there's just, hey, we just 
see each other at certain events and that's it. And everybody's kind of going their own way. So kind of just getting thrown at out there in a, in a way, because you have the two entities in, in women's sports in the top two leagues, literally in one panel. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And I would feel like sake of women's football in general, regardless of what league you came from or what league you currently play for, I would think the overall goal would be to advance the, the the women's game overall. Like I said, disregarding leagues, disregarding experience. Obviously, these you know these ladies were picked for a reason. Which and I like I said, I would think the overall reason for such a panel would be to advance the the overall game of women's football. I mean that's. You know, that's, I feel like that's kind of, like, a lot of the reason why they placed this panel together and chose the ladies that they chose to be on such a panel. Yeah, I agree. But uh, we'll see how it turns out. Um, one league, as we said before, is surprising us with certain things. There's a lot more things coming up from what Odessa had said a couple months ago, and it looks like, you know, obviously the Adidas thing is a huge thing. I guess we're expecting a lot more things to come at this point. I don't know what the WFA will spring up on us uh, at this point, but it's still early. We're still not, not even into March, and we'll see how that you know transpires because normally those things come about before the season starts and stuff. The other big news that happened was the Women's Sports Foundation uh, and the Atlanta Falcons' uh, Scott Pioli announced a new endowment for aspiring women football coaches and scouts. Uh, so it's basically a grant. And so you can go and apply for the grant. If you go to the uh, facebook.com forward slash ground beauties, you can go there. It's the link there on the story of the press release that was done by the Women's Sports Foundation. So that's got to be really good uh, considering a lot of people at the um, symp- symposium uh, and the uh, careers uh, event are getting uh, their opportunities. So that's pretty awesome. Mackenzie? You still there? You guys? Did I lose both of you guys? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, I don't know what no, happened. I, was, I, was, I, was, I don't know. Yeah, kind of dead air for all of us for some reason. I don't know what happened there. Um, no, I was saying it's pretty cool that they're doing a grant for uh, anybody that wants to get into uh, football in terms of scouting or coaching, pretty cool. And then it's it's being uh, you know, and I, I funded by Scott Pioli. I had quite a chance to look into it. Yeah, so you know, check it check it out on check out the it. link on at the Women's uh, Sports Foundation. So it's, there's the um, link to the registration and to the grant. So you might want to take a look at it. Um, Troy, the Bull returns to the Northeast Legends Football League. And of all things, Troy, Mitchell Mortaza finally, after 10 years, decides to put up an LFL shop via Shopify. Oh. Oh, right. All right. I like that. Oh. Yeah, I think still with the gear, but let me start off on the bull. She is back where she belongs. That's what she did. I just, I'm, I'm so used to seeing her in a Seattle uniform. I, I, it's good to see her go right back up in that area. So I, I know they're thrilled to have her back. She is a fan favorite. She's one of my favorite players. So it was good to see her back up there. So LFL Shop Live, Troy, so you can order your LFL shirt now. And I was getting some news breaks 
from some information that was given to me this week. And apparently, Mr. Mortaza, as previously we had spoken to Coach Hack, Mr. Mortaza will be compensating some of those players' uh, images on those shirts that are already going to be offered on the LFL shop. So that's a good move. Yeah, that's smart, man. That's good. Yeah, I mean, you want to do a fair. And that's how, you know, you spread the, you know, you also are showing your future prospects of what kind of league you want to become. So, absolutely, that's a great idea. That just adds to the excitement. And and it allows the fans to be more interactive. So, this is going to be a great thing. There was only one problem, Troy. There on every apparel item, one of the biggest LFL fans that I know direct direct messaged me and said, there's not one African-American player on a shirt. That's not good. Oh. Yeah, Daniel Harvey out there. You got a lot of African-American talented players out there, and not one of them on a shirt. That is not good. So, Mitchell, oh. if you're listening, you probably need to rethink who your superstars are in the league because that's not cool. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, man. You yeah. listen. Uh, how, how? No, no, no. no. Yeah, you can't, Take a you look can't at it, Troy. I, I, I went through it. I had to go check it out. It's at LFLshop.com, and it is the T-shirts with the players on them. You know, uh, they're a player highlighted and logo. And you don't see – I don't believe I could be wrong, but from what they showed me this afternoon, there was not one player, and there's a lot of players deserving of being on a shirt. Uh, Daniel Harvey, 10 years, L.A. Temptation. There's a lot of players out there. Maley Rich in Seattle. I mean, I could probably name a lot of them. But, yeah, probably not the good move. And I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because it's the first, you know, first rollout, and we'll see if maybe that changes in the next uh, update or upgrade. Yeah, you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for that. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm going to go look for it after we get off air. So I'm, I'm going to go check that out, man. So I, I got to see that for myself. I got to see what's going on. No, that's, that's what I'm saying. So um, I, I was me- direct message that this afternoon when it rolled out. And so if it is true, it could be a problem because I know you have more than, more than enough superstars on a lot of teams. So, yeah, you got a, a lot of players on there. So you got to pick and choose your players and, if it's true, then Coach Hack was on the money, right, Troy? Yeah, exactly. That's good for that to be called out. Yeah, absolutely. So that's it. Mackenzie, um, so after 10 years, we roll out the shop. So let's talk about the shops here. LFL rolls it out. They're on Shopify. And then WNFC rolls out their own shops. They're on Adidas. And they're obviously collaborating as well with um, – athlete supply and uh, mygear.com and so it's a one-stop shop similar to the nfl the nba the wfa doesn't have that for some reason in all the teams so maybe it's too much volume because you got 90 teams do you think the wfa maybe should be selective to maybe 10 teams that way you know the fans get involved with the better higher graded teams in each tier um to be honest, I, I don't think that would be such a sparkling idea for the plain fact that, so let's say you pick those 10 teams, those, I guess, if you want to go with more elite teams or more recognizable teams, 
um, let's say you pick those 10 teams, and then in an aspect that leaves mm, 70 or 80 more teams without that chance to get that exposure. Like, I feel like the reason they don't do that is they want each team to get their own exposure as far as um, how they're marketing themselves and how they're, you know, promoting their team and their players, which is also why, um, every, to me, I feel like that's why most te- most WFA teams have their own merchandise for that reason alone as far as um, since the WFA doesn't quite have, like, a WFA shop, per se. So, you know, and yeah. most teams have gear and shirts and stuff you can buy. Um, that way there's, you know, you're, they're still getting that marketing aspect. They're still getting that merchandising aspect. They're just not doing it. You know, they're, the team or entity is not quite getting that from the league itself you know, if, if the WSA had a shop. So I don't think – and I, like I said, I honestly don't think that's so much of, of a bad thing. I just think that with having 90 teams in a league, that's a lot of – that's almost a lot of stuff we have to keep up with as far as, um, you know, inventory from each team, who's going to run that team section of the website, who's going to run this, who's going to run that, who's going to take the orders, you know, stuff like that. So I think it's good with the, with the smaller teams to have a shop to help push their product with something like, even though the WNFC has, has the WNFC shop, um, it's still essentially a smaller team-based entity. Like, there's not 90 teams in the WNFC. Well, I'm, the only point I'm making is you should have at least five to eight teams in the, uh, you know, the website at the uh, WFAProFootball.com, but the first team you should have on there for promoting should be the should be the champions in each tier. You know what I mean? So if you're going to have anybody promoting, you should be promoting the champions so that people get acclimated, especially in Boston, especially with the Patriots hype and everything else. You should be able to do that, but it hasn't been done that way. So we'll see what the results are in terms of what's the better model, because if the WNFC does get more revenue based on what they're doing with their model, it's just going to seem to think that that's probably the better approach for it. But um, Troy, um, the new season in the LFL, we had a lot of question marks. Chicago hasn't uh, done any real announcements, but we are looking at uh, some powerhouses. Atlanta, the return in Atlanta of Dakota Hughes was previously retired. Now we're back. And then she gets Michelle Marshall, Megan, uh, Megan Martinez. She's going to get uh, Wadowski back, Lauren Ziegler. Um, so we could say clearly right now that the steam is – the better squad in the East? You know, I, I love, I would love to say that. We've said that a lot over the past few years, but it's to the point now where you have to keep saying it. When are they going to get over it? When are, when are they going to get over the hump? And, you know, they haven't been able to finish. And maybe it'll be different this year. Maybe, you know, especially with Marshall coming in there, they get a boost. You know, from from a talent standpoint, they've always been talented, but now they have maybe some leadership and they can, you know, get to a point where they can finish because that's been their issue. It's never been an issue with talent. I, I didn't think it was an issue with coaching except, well, there's a few, you know, plays you would have wanted to have back in the, um, you know, the games against Chicago uh, in the playoffs. But I think overall they, they've run a great operation. They just couldn't finish. And, you know, that's what they're going to have to do to, to, to get to that championship mode this year. And they have a chance to do it. You know, you got more talent coming in and you bring us some talent back. So, 
I want to see how it pans out for him. Mackenzie, uh, big shout-out this week. Uh, Queensland Sun Devils, the national team in Queensland, in Greater Queensland, uh, at basically at the player, there's a player, and Michelle uh, Peter, uh, Peter, um, Michelle Peters, and she was on the Colts team. She tried out for the, uh, the boys' Colts team, and she is now on the roster for the national uh, regional team, the Sun Devils, and she'll be competing in 2019 with them. So congratulations to her. Yes, Queen. Yes, I live. Go, girl. She's awesome. She's awesome. It's number 60 out there. Um, our own Christy Moran uh, broke it out there. We had to just uh, post it back up there. But congratulations to Michelle. She's on the 2019 Great Iron Sun Devils Colts uh, boys team, and she's part of the team now uh, as, for, as they compete in the, the, into the national stage as well. So pretty awesome. Shout out to her. Uh, Women's Crush Wednesday early. How's that? Back. Back. Pretty cool then. Um, so Tony, Tony Harris, the story of the week. Last week we talked about it, and this week she's the story of the week. So what a what a great uh, story she's been coming. So we get, can't wait to uh, see the Rav4 Toyota commercial at Super Bowl ad that's going to come up on Sunday. And obviously can't wait to see the Rams win Super Bowl 53, fingers crossed, ready to rock at, at, in Atlanta against the Patriots. Um, so it's going to be a great, great weekend for me. I'm in the spotlight, so we'll see. Um, but, uh, for you guys, I mean, this is it. Super Bowl, Super Bowl week, Sunday, Rams, Patriots. Can't get any bigger than that in football. Yeah, nope, man. You really can't. And Go ahead, McKinney. You still there? No, I was just saying you really can't get any better than this, this Super Bowl matchup right now because, I, like I said it before, I had anticipated it being two young guns going against each other, and really it's the classic young gun versus, at this point, 1,700-year veteran in Tom Brady. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, Troy, this is huge. If, if McVay can pull it off, uh, my Monday is going to be way better. <laughs> yeah, McVeigh's young, and you know you got uh, golf is young, and Gurley is young. All these young guys on the you know the Ram side, and on the other side you got Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. They this is this is a, another day for these guys. So they've been there before. So I think that really gives them the advantage. Um, but at the same time, I think McVeigh. Just, just that, you know, just the brilliant mind that the guy has. I wouldn't be surprised if he pulls it off. I want to see him do well. I would like to see him win, you know, the Super Bowl, but I just really think it's just going to be too much for the Patriots. I cannot bet against that team again, at least not this year. So I'm, I'm not betting against the Patriots again. I think the Patriots take it. All right. So Troy's got Patriots. Me and uh, Mackenzie's got Rams. Uh, Holly, apparently, she's got Rams. And Luis Bean, obviously, is going to take the Patriots as well. So we got three to two. We'll see with the results if it adds up to what our panel thinks at this point. So uh, for the absent Luis Bean and uh, Holly Custon, Troy Wilson here, and Mackenzie Brooks, Oscar Lopez saying we'll catch you here next week as we'll see if the Rams can pull off the upset of the, the evil empire that is the Patriots on Super Bowl 53. Have a great weekend, everybody. <laughs>